From BT Digger, I'm Mike Dougherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, an expanded state program to house Vermont's homeless population in vacant hotel rooms has helped keep thousands of people safe during the pandemic. But the people living in these hotels say navigating social services is still a challenge, and they don't know what to expect after the pandemic is over. Like where we are right now? We are sitting in the Travel Inn in number 34. Our reporter yes. Katie Jickling recently booked a stay in one of kind these hotels. Of, uh, everything, I've noticed that everything in this hotel is kind of a dull yellow color. The outside of the building and the inside of the building and even the light, everything's kind of dark and a little bit dingy. But there's a queen-size bed and one small window and a little fridge and no kitchen for most of these people. And sort of this place where if you're not in your room, everything you do is in plain sight of your neighbors. So everybody sort of knows what's going on with everybody else. There are 36 rooms at the Travel Inn. You know, there are dozens of people staying there, most of whom would be considered homeless. Some of them work, but many of them don't, either because they can't find a job or because they're on disability or because they're of retirement age. And things were really pretty slow there in many ways. The days are marked by the delivery of food, which is from the Rutland provider of Meals on Wheels, Lindley Food Service. And by uh, the motel owner, Ish, puts out coffee every morning at 7 a.m. along with a dozen Dunkin' Donuts. And then most of them are smokers. So they come out and smoke on the balconies every you know couple hours or so. And it's really just that rhythm. And otherwise, people are pretty uh, worried about the drug scene. And so they say, you know, we mostly stay in our rooms and try to navigate social services and just wait for this really uncertain future that will give them a place to live. Tell us the, the ups and downs of the hotel circuit. Yeah, the, oh, well, the ups is you get a place to sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, I don't know, it was down to like negative something last night. I know that. You know, the downs, there's, there's a lot of drugs. It's just the way it is, you know what I mean? But, you know, lock your doors and just don't bother nobody. We met Brandon Grayton outside of his room at the Travel Inn. He had gotten there in mid-February after spending several months at different hotels around Bennington. He is from Connecticut originally and had come up to Vermont after, like you know, most people, a series of crises. He had lost his job in IT. He had had some mental health issues as well as uh, he had tried to commit suicide several times, he said. And after some conflict with family members, he ended up on the street. First of all, when I came up to, to Vermont, when I was sleeping outside and they offered hotels when it was below freezing, that was a godsend, right? And then they offer this, and this is a godsend. So the state of Vermont itself has been nothing but great for me. 
do you have any idea of like what what this year would have looked like for you if it hadn't been for this hotel program? I'd be sleeping outside. I'd have a tent somewhere in the woods, not here, not in a city, somewhere up on those mountains somewhere. But uh, that gets old quick too. He was really grateful for having a place to stay that was not in the woods. And he was also kind of in this place of limbo, not knowing exactly where he was headed or where he would end up, but really just waiting it out during the pandemic. Maybe. I've been homeless for like seven years altogether. I have not had a steady place to live in seven years. Wow. How do you think that that has changed you? Or affected how you see things? Uh, makes me think people uh, are a lot less kind-hearted than you might think. And it also makes me second-guess family and friends and things like that. But um, the one positive is I lived through it, so I feel like I'm unbreakable. You know? What are you going to throw at me that's worse than living under a bridge for years? Bring it on. <laughs> he had arrived with his six guitars and his computer. He had worked in IT. So he really felt like given that he had brought all his stuff into the motel, he was really home and he was there for, for a while, it felt like. It kind of seems like you try to stay out of the fray in terms of like the drugs, fights, stuff like that. I'd like to. Um I just keep to myself, really. You know, I talk and engage in conversation. I think I'm pretty decent at it, but, you know, just try and be quiet. And... Is it hard to keep to yourself when you're in a living arrangement? Kind of... It is. Yeah. It's difficult. Like, I'd love to blast my music or anything like that, but, you, you know, that's what I would be doing normally. You know, I'm a very musical person. I like to play things loud. You know, but can't really do that in places like this. But whatever, it's eventually someday, somewhere down that light, I'll be able to get my own place and I won't have to deal with this. So. Where do you want to live? Would you go back to Bennington or? Um, you put me in Alaska, I don't care. <laughs> somewhere with the roof over my head. I think my time at the motel showed the number of significant barriers that all come together to make it really challenging for people to move out into permanent housing, even though that's what the residents want, that's what the state wants, and really is what's best for everybody in the long term. So for somebody like Brandon, he's on disability, which means he gets just about $850 a month. But every apartment around Rutland is going to cost at least $700 a month, not counting utilities. And that leaves him with very little money left over for things like food and other daily expenses. Do you, do you have like a kitchen in there or do you just... No, just a microwave. Eat, eat what there is and... Which is hard on me because my heart is a little messed up and my stomach is a little messed up. I can't even eat that food. Like you can't cook anything fresh. Like I want, I want some peppers in a salad or something. That's not gonna happen. So then, you know, a good part of my money is going to just food.
The other challenge is that it's very difficult to find apartments. You now have about 2,700 people living in motels, and there just aren't enough units for all of them to move into a place. The other challenge is that some qualify for Section 8 vouchers, which will basically provide people free or reduced rent. But there's quite a long waiting list and uh, not everybody will qualify. And some people will have to wait months or even more than a year for that voucher. So what are you going to do? Except sit here. What's the wait time? Uh, I'm not sure. You know, people give me different answers. Some might say it's only a couple weeks, but they don't know anything. And some might say a year, you know. I have no idea, really. But I try and stay on top of it. I keep in contact with all these services to help me do it, you know. I'm a good little little soldier with that stuff. I'm, you know, I'm on top of my business, and I, and I really try to uh, advocate for myself. But um, you can advocate all you want, but if there ain't no room for you, then there's no room for you. And I guess the last thing is that everybody is supposed to be paired with a case manager, who, who will help them navigate all these challenges. But there are way too few case managers. Sometimes Brandon said that he would spend two hours waiting on hold to talk to a person. There's just not enough services to really make the process go smoothly. So I think it has really put pressure on this system and is really revealing the gaps in it. I spoke with Chad Bourne, who is 40 and had come back to Vermont from Texas just before the pandemic. He had gotten a job at a local lumber yard, and he had also just been really challenged by the system. He only made $14 an hour, but he made too much for the state to pay for his motel room. Hmm. So about two weeks ago, uh, the state stopped paying for his motel room and he was now spending $900 a month for this room without a kitchen, which of course is more than the rent on many apartments. He quit his job and now he's really just deciding what to do. He doesn't know where he's going to go. He doesn't know what he's going to do. And he says, you know, sometimes I'm just thinking about buying a tent and going back to the woods because I could really actually save a lot of money. So I think uh, that's another example of some of the challenges within that system. I think we really saw the residents learning how to cope with some of the challenges and they were really lighthearted about it. They really took these questions and this uncertainty and the challenges around the pandemic with a lot of grace. And I think we sort of saw that, that they had learned to just go with the flow in a lot of instances and be able to laugh at it all. We'll be right back. Just a quick message from our underwriters. Efficiency Vermont helps you reduce your heating bills by offering recommendations and rebates on weatherization projects, wood stoves, heat pumps, and more. Find qualified Efficiency Excellence Network contractors at efficiencyvermont.com slash contractor. Oh, 
Ish Patel and his wife bought the motel about six years ago after operating a few other motels around the country. When I came here, 10 room was down. We paint the whole motel, we change whole doors, storm doors, carpet, uh, heating system like that, every room, 220 line. He lives just behind the lobby and operates the motel, and he really is this sort of watchman over the goings-on of this little ecosystem in the motel. He has set up 16 cameras to keep track of the goings-on, and residents really said that he had really reduced drug activity by keeping an eye on what was happening, and he really had his finger on the pulse of any issues or conflicts or criminal activity that might pop up. And, and people did give him a lot of credit. They did. They, they said, multiple people said, you know, this is the best motel in Rutland. And Ish really took pride in providing food for people and making sure they did not go without in a pinch. All right, you want food or anything? No, 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 we're all good. A lot of food there. He provided donuts at 7 a.m. and coffee. And he laid out ramen noodles. They take the soup and bowl, plate, free, everything. Coffee, donut in the morning. Every movement, pizza for everybody, you know. When I checked in, he said, help yourself to the ramen noodles. People will never go hungry here. So are they going to be able, do they have keys to be able to come in as well? Yeah, they okay. have Okay. 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 So Lori Barber is the housekeeper at the Travel Inn. And I talked to guess again and again and they said if you ever need anything if you ever need to know anything talk to lori everybody likes lori huh yeah she's awesome yeah that's what everybody says yeah she's this go-to person who has been at the hotel for seven years she said she actually wasn't able to stay in her home, ended up in the hotel, and then just stayed and rented a room there for most of the last seven years. We stayed here, I don't know, a couple, three weeks, and the lady that was doing the housekeeping here, she said to me, I got to leave for a couple days. Can you take over my job for these two days? I said yes, and she never come back. She never came back? <laughs> no, she never come back. What? And you stayed? And I stayed. <laughs> she ended up as housekeeper sort of incidentally and since then has really made it her business kind of like ish to check in with people know what's going on and keep tabs on the building and that's what everybody says like lori knows everything that's going on in this place <laughs> <laughs> yeah unfortunately sometimes too much she asks people about how their grandkids are doing when there is drug activity she knows because she cleans up after these people in, in two days' time, I had to pack three rooms, and two of those three rooms was nothing but drug meals. And they don't cap them, they don't nothing. There's just one, one room, for example, a whole dresser drawer was just stacked. There had to be a thousand of them in there. Needles? Yeah. Wow. Used, all used. I mean, and so they're no caps, some of them are still full of blood. You know, it's just, it's, if you're going to do something like that, at least be considerate and pick it up, or don't expect the housekeeper to have to take it out. How, what do you even do? Like, do you wear gloves? Like, how do you? I do. Yourself? I do. I have a pair of gloves that have like rubber, so that they can't poke through it, and that's what I've been using. Yeah, that's scary. It is. Yep. And especially, you know, you go to make the bed, 
and you have to look in between the mattress and the box spring. I've even I've even went to move the curtain and all of a sudden I heard something like hit the, the wall. I was like, what is this? So I, I felt down the bottom of the curtain. They had the whole bottom hem of the curtain lined up with needles. The whole bottom hem of it. I was like, what a place to be. <laughs> and so she has really learned the ins and outs yeah. both of the Rutland community of the travel in and the guests who stay there. It's it's a process here, you know. It's just I wish that things would run a little bit different, you know, as far as help and stuff for people. Lori really embodied this idea of tough love for the people who stayed in the motel. Hmm. She told us her story. She had been addicted to drugs and had gone to prison for it and served two years. She got out in 2008 and said she had been clean ever since. And as a result of that, she really understood the challenges of both using drugs as well as getting out of that cycle. She had also stayed in the motel herself, as I mentioned. And so she knew the challenges of that too, and of not having a steady place to go. And so she was willing to tell people what they needed to hear, even if they sometimes didn't want to hear it. And she was also really able to listen and empathize with people where they were. And she had earned a lot of respect for that. And people really, really liked her. Like, it seems like just from the way you talk about this place and the way that other people talk about you, that you work pretty hard at your job and like doing a good job and that kind of thing. And I wonder if there's anything you're particularly like proud of or like aspire to here. Um, I don't know, I just, I work seven days a week, so, and I do do a lot. It, it, it makes me feel better, I guess, to help somebody else out. That's, I think, what it is for me, mm -hmm. to help somebody else out. You know, whether it's, you know, just cleaning their room or, or whatever it is they need somebody to talk to or whatever, you know. I like helping other people. Because yep. it makes them feel better and it makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> and so she was also willing to advocate for people when they needed it, asking Ish to reduce their rent or to provide other things for, for families or to help connect them with certain services when they needed it. Being there myself, I fully understand where people are coming from, you know. Yeah. But they just, the state needs to figure something different out, and I'm not quite sure what. I'll play you something original. Because this is what I usually do as original stuff. We see in these motels the depth of the impact of COVID. Because people here are really, they're at a cross-section of so many challenges related to COVID and both just deep societal issues that we really haven't figured out solutions for. Many of these people have lost jobs or are struggling to find work. All of them don't have other places to go. Many are struggling with drug use or with mental health challenges. And all of these systems have really been exposed as a result of COVID. We have seen the depth of the need and the state's inability to meet those needs. 
I think the way in which the state responds to the high number of people in motels going forward is really going to be a defining moment for our social service network going forward. I also think that we see in the motels so much resilience. There was a mom who had escaped an abusive relationship and moved into this motel almost a year ago with a 10-year-old and a six-year-old. And now she has a two-month-old as well. So all these people are sharing a room and she was just able to navigate it with such optimism and do it in a way that I think just gives gives me hope. Um, and I think we saw that with a lot of residents that they were able to keep things in perspective and realize that they had been able to overcome these previous challenges and that they were going to make it out the other side, even though they really had no idea what the future would hold or when they would be able to have a place of their own or how that would even come about. Right. I mean, what do we know about what happens after COVID? You know, what the state might do with all of these thousands of people who are currently living in hotels and motels? Yeah, I think it's worth noting that in, in many ways, this effort with the motels has been extraordinarily successful for the first time, probably in the history of the state. Vermont has basically offered a a shelter to everyone on the streets. The state has had very few COVID cases among those in motels, and nobody that we know of has died of COVID who is also homeless. And that has been really remarkable in a lot of ways. At the same time, the state faces real challenges about what to do with this group of people going forward. It's extremely expensive, roughly $6 million a month to pay for the rooms of all these people. And the federal government has paid the cost of that since the start of the pandemic, but that funding will be phasing out in the coming months. So now the state has to decide what they want to do. There have been proposals put forward to basically just go back to the way it was previously, where a far more limited number of homeless Vermonters would be able to have access to a motel, and the rest are really just left to fend for themselves or seek one of the limited shelter beds around the state. Advocates and people who work at housing nonprofits say that this could really be an opportunity for the state to combat or possibly even solve homelessness around the state. And the most recent federal stimulus package has included $5 billion to address homelessness. And Vermont is likely going to get a big chunk of change to put toward this effort. Another proposal that has been put forward is to continue to pay for motels for the next year to year and a half for those who need it, and then really just ramp up building housing and buying affordable housing and just standing up units for people so they can really have a permanent place to go. They say that that will be very expensive. There have been estimates that housing everybody will cost could cost $50 million dollars. But they say, you know, it'll also save a lot of money in the long run in medical costs, in case management, in even things like incarceration, perhaps. I think where we go from here, regardless, it's going to be very complicated. It's going to be contentious. 
And, you know, a lot of people's lives and futures are on the line here. Got it. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Mike. You can find Katie's full story on the travel in and the future of Vermont's homeless hotels at vtdigger.org. And find all of our COVID-19 coverage in one place at vtdigger.org slash coronavirus. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music up top by Blue Dot Sessions. The music you heard throughout the episode was by Brandon Grayton. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. See you then. Believe it that one. That's good. That's nice. Make me famous with that one. Yeah. <laughs>